let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters in the room. I thank you for the visitors that you've brought here today. I pray that in this time, you would show yourself to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pray for us. I pray that you would pray for me. And Father, I pray that you would both bless this time and be pleased in this time. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, friends. My name is James. I have the opportunity to share with you one of my life verses this morning. And I say one of my life verses because, like many of you, I have different verses that are special to me for different reasons that hover over different areas of life. Uh, But what I want to share with you this morning is my preaching verse, or my preaching verses. These verses, along with a a few others, have gone a, a long way to shape what's my philosophy of preaching, have gone a long way to shape what I hope to accomplish in moments like these. And that's that in addition to seeing counsel from God's word, in addition to seeing what God's will for our lives is, in addition to seeing what God would have us to do, in addition to hope and inspiration and all those things, what I would hope to undergird all of that with is a knowledge of what God is like. And so we're going to look at 1 John chapter 3. You can grab your Bibles. If you don't have one, there's Bibles uh, underneath the chairs in front of you. If you're looking for a translation, I'll be using the English Standard Version. And we heard the verses read a few moments ago. And in these three verses, John is, is teaching his readers that the true believer in Christ is constantly changing from the time that he comes to faith in Christ until the time that he sees him face to face. And from these verses, I think we can glean two insights. One has to do with transformation, that the nature, the destination, and the shape of the Christian life is transformation. And the second has to do with seeing, that seeing God fuels that transformation. And so we'll get there in a second, but first, what's all this stuff about transformation? If I was going to actually preach through the entire book of 1 John, I, I wouldn't when I got to this point, pull out just these three verses. I'm teaching on these three verses because these are my life verses. But if I was teaching through the book, I would include, when I got to this point, some of the verses before and after. Because when you hit these three verses, John is actually in the middle of making a big argument. And what he's making a case for is that the true believer in Christ, that genuine faith should be evidenced by a moral life. Not that a moral life is saving faith, because we know that you can, you can live pretty well, you can have good morals and, 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 and live right, but not have clinged to Christ in saving faith. But John is saying, if you have clung to Christ in saving faith, it should be evidenced by a moral life. And the way that he makes his case is by reminding his readers that the nature of the Christian life is transformation. He says in verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. John says, "See, See in what way God has loved us. See in what manner God has poured out his love on believers, on Christians, in that he calls us his children. But not just that he calls us that, but that we are. He says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And what he's undoubtedly hearkening back to is Jesus' teaching in in John chapter 3. When Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he says, if you would would see the kingdom, if you would be in right standing with God, if you would come into a relationship with the Father, you must be born again. He tells him in verse 7, don't be surprised that I told you, you you must be born again. And Ephesians 3 tells us a little bit 
about what that means and why that is. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And it tells us that the condition of a person before they come to saving faith in Christ is that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Not that you were physically dead. Obviously, if you were sinning, you needed a a body to sin in. But your spirit, what the the Bible calls your soul, was dead. That like a plant separated from the sun, it was cut off from the source of life. And in that sense, you were dead. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the, the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And it reminds us, it is by grace that you've been saved. Ephesians 2 tells us that, you know, although we might kind of look at it in, 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 in on, the, on the ground terms, although we might see it as kind of an ordinary decision, that the decision to cling to Christ in faith is transformative. That it's nothing less than coming from death to life. Such that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That if you have come to Christ, if you have, if you have clung to Christ in faith, you are fundamentally and characteristically different than you were before. And it's subtle. John says, be sure, it, it's subtle. He goes on to say at the end of verse 1, you know, the reason why the, the, the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And so don't be surprised if the world doesn't get this. If they look at you and say, well, so you say you're a Christian. That doesn't mean you have any sort of special relationship with, with God or with, with the Father. Of course they'll say that because any special relationship that we have with the Father comes by virtue of our union with Christ and his special relationship with the Father. And if the world doesn't recognize, know, acknowledge him, why would it see what's going on with us? John says it, it's subtle. You know, when you come to Christ, you don't, you don't sprout wings or, or, or have a halo pop over your head. But it is profound. And eventually, it slowly changes everything about you. Because transformation is not just the nature of the Christian life, it's the destination of the Christian life. John goes on to say in verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And when you read these verses for the first time, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost too much. You want to read it and think, well, no, no, I, I can't be like him. I, I, I won't. I mean, it's Jesus. It's the, the Son of God. That's God in flesh. Of, of course, I, I can't be. I, I wouldn't be like him. And undoubtedly, there, there are ways in which you will never be like him. You will never have his authority. You will never have his power. You will never have his knowledge. But Jesus himself teaches clear that there are ways in which he expects you to be like him. He tells the disciples in, in Luke chapter 6, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So that, that, that's the whole point. That's why, that's why I came. And that's the optimism. That's the, the hope that Paul expresses in Philippians 1 when he tells the church there that I, I see what's going on in your lives, but because of that, I have no doubt that he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Now, I have no doubt because I see the evidence in your life and I know God is faithful, so I know he's going to bring that work to completion. And apparently this was all part of the Father's plan. Romans eight twenty nine tells us that for those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son so that he might be the firstborn, the, the heir, the authority over many brothers. That was all part of the plan. 
The Bible tells us that when you, when you come to life in Christ, when you trust him, you become something different, that God's working on you from the inside out, and one day he's going to finish the job, and seeing Christ is going to be the tipping point. That when you see him as he is, you will be like him. The story of the Bible is new creation through Christ. That this place is not how it was intended to be. That we are not as we were intended to be. But in Christ, something new broke into the world. And through his life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection, he paved the way for us to follow him into the new creation, into redemption, into restoration. And he's going to bring that work to completion when we see him as he is. And with that, John arrives at his point. He says, the Christian longs for this day. The Christian hopes for this day. Verse 3, he says, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. John says, you, you can know the true follower of Christ because as he groans and anxiously awaits for this day, he joins God in the work that he's doing to change him. You, you can know the true believer because in light of what God is doing, he cooperates. And you might think, well, if God's working on me, he doesn't need me to do anything. He's got more tools to work with than I do. Probably the best passages in the entire Bible on the topic, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul tells the church there, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't work for your salvation. Don't try to earn your salvation. But having been saved, having clung to Christ in faith, do the work of living out your salvation with fear and trembling, why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, both to have the desire to do his will and the ability to do his will for his good pleasure. Paul says, yes, God's working in you. Child of God, God is transforming you from the inside out, and your role is in light of that to join the fight, to, to join him in that work. And that's why we see commands like Colossians 3, 5, where we're told to put to death what is earthly in you. It says, in light of what God's doing, pick up the sword and slay that beast. In light of what God is doing, put to death that sexual morality, that impurity, that passion, evil desire, covetousness, and idolatry. In light of what God is doing, you also wage war on sin in your life. And that leaves us with a very big question. How? How do we do this? How do we join the fight? How do we cooperate with the work that God is doing? Early in his career, there's a, a singer and, and songwriter, a musician named John Mayer. And begin, at, uh, towards the beginning of his career, he came out with a song called New Deep. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a, a funny song and, and something of an ironic song. And uh, it's probably about himself, but the song is about a person who thinks too much. You know, it's your, your textbook overthinker, you overanalyze, you're trying to find every little meaning in your life, and it's exhausting. The song begins with him saying, I'm so enlightened that I can barely survive a, a night in my own mind. And so, you know, he, he says, you know what, ignorance is bliss, and so I'm going to get in on that. You know, I'm going I'm to tap into that. I'm going to just be detached, removed, numb. I'm going to stop trying to figure everything out. And as he makes this resolution, at the end of the song, there's this bridge. He says, I'm a new man. I wear a new cologne, and you wouldn't know me if your eyes were closed. And I know what you'll say, that this won't last longer than the rest of the day, but you're wrong this time. You're wrong. And if you look, you can see the irony there. You can see the humor there, this idea that, you know, if you had your eyes closed, you wouldn't even know it's me. I'm a new man. wear a new cologne. 
It says, you know, I know you say that this won't outlast the day, but you're wrong this time, implying that there was a, a last time or a time before. And what's kind of ironically poked at in this song is one of the great frustrations of the Christian life. That we know what faith in Christ means. We know, that what, we know what God is doing in us, and we want to cooperate, but sometimes it just seems like it won't take. Like sometimes it seems like no matter how hard we try, it seems like somebody wouldn't even think that we're different unless they had their eyes closed. Sometimes it feels like we're just Febrezing the trash heap, that it smells a little better, but unless you have your eyes closed, you wouldn't be mistaken that it's not the same garbage. Like sometimes it just feels like we can't make a change that will last longer than the day. And in frustration, we wonder, how? How do we do this? How do we change? How do we cooperate? And be sure there, there are different facets of it. You know, there, there are different pieces of it. One is, is you know, so resolved. And we're told to have this mind in us that was in Christ, to, to have a certain mindset. But that doesn't seem to be what John is pointing to. Another facet of it is, is discipline. You know, to, to, to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, to introduce certain things into our lives and take certain things out so that there are these influencers, these, these molders, and these shapers. But that doesn't seem to be what John is talking about. Back to the question, how do we change? In these verses, John suggests that as we head for a day where we see Christ face to face and are completely transformed, that if we would be more of what we will be, we need to see more of what we will see. Think about it. Verse 1, child of God. How did that happen? How did you become a, a child of God? At some point, you heard the gospel. A friend shared the gospel with you. You, 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 I don't know, you read a book that had a gospel presentation. You heard preaching of the word. At some point, you came to a knowledge of who God was in Christ, and you decided to trust him with your possessions, with your decisions, with your life, your body, your soul, because of what you saw. And it changed you, child of God. Verse 2. Flash forward. One day, you will see God perfectly for who he is. You will see him as he is, and it'll finish the job. Complete transformation. Total moral purity, among other things. You won't be trying to be like him. You will be like him. So verse 3, purifying ourselves as he is pure. How do we do that? If you want to be more of what you will be, you need to see more of what you'll see on that day. Namely, the nature and character of God. Now, seeing isn't believing, but you can't, you can't believe what you haven't seen. And don't, don't hear me saying seen in a, in a rigid, doubting Thomas, blessed are those who believe without seeing kind of scene. I, I mean, perceived, come to a knowledge of, evaluated in, in some sense. Think of Paul's words in Romans 10 where he says, how can they call on him whom they've not believed? And how can they believe on him whom they've not heard or, for all intents and purposes, seen, come to a knowledge of, evaluated? Before you can trust him, you have to find him trustworthy. You have to take a good, transforming look. 
There's always this, this chain, that this change of life, this transformation, this repentance comes, is, is, is directly rooted in our trust of him. And that trust, that belief, that faith always has an object that must be in view, that must be evaluated. And so just like you couldn't initially come to Christ, you couldn't initially believe on him without seeing what he's like, you can't continue to believe in him without continuing to see what he's like. You can't grow in belief without growing in your knowledge of what he's like. And that's exactly why a verse like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us to run the race of the Christian life with your eyes fixed on him. Run, run the race with your, with your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, because when that line of sight shrivels up, your trust shrivels up. And when your trust shrivels up, your Christian life shrivels up. Your repentance, that change, shrivels up. Small God, small faith, small change. Big God, big trust, big change. And we know we have a big God. It's just a matter of, of whether or not we're seeing it from day to day. And, and, and this, this makes sense, right? I mean, that, 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 that follows, right? I mean, don't we think that we would, we would genuinely live different if we believed really who God was, that he, he is who he says he is, if we really saw that? Do you not think that we would live differently if we genuinely believed that God is the creator God, that the entire world and the fullness thereof is his, that you've never laid your eyes on something that doesn't belong to him, and that anything we think we have, we are stewards of, and a steward must be found faithful. Do you not think that we would live differently if we really believe that God is Father, and if we who are, who are sinful and broken know how to give good things to our children, that he won't give you everything you really need? Do you not think that we would live differently if we believe the words of Exodus 15.3, that the Lord is a man of war, the Lord is his name? That he's a warrior, and there's nobody bigger, nobody stronger than him, and that he fights for you? Do you not think that we would live differently if we really believed the Lord is our shepherd, and he is willing to guide us through even the darkest places of life if we would just follow him? Do you not think that we would live differently if we really believed that God is king, that every bit of authority on heaven and earth is his? Do you not think that we would get on our face every once in a while and report for duty? Do you not think that we would live differently if we genuinely believed that God is judge, that he loves righteousness, and that he hates sin, and that it's appointed for man to die once and then judgment, and that we will give an account for every secret deed, every idle word? Do you not think that we would live differently if we genuinely believed that God is Savior and that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Do you not think that we would live with more integrity, with better stewardship, with a sense of urgency, with more freedom? If we saw those things? So Christian, Christ follower, child of God, I would ask, do you see in your life the kind of change that you would hope to see? Don't answer out loud. If not... Could it be, I would have you evaluate, have you not grown in your belief that God is who he is, in, in the fundamental conviction that he is 
warrior, king, shepherd, judge, savior. And if that's the case, I would wonder if perhaps somewhere you stopped seeing him for who he is. Or that you haven't come to see more of who he is. Small God, small trust, small change. And so we have to do what Hebrews 12 tells us to do, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to keep his character in view at all times. How? I am so glad you asked. Can we reevaluate how we understand the, the Christian disciplines and these things that we do? That these aren't just things that good Christians do because that's what makes them good Christians? So, for instance, the Word. Can we, for sure, as we open the Word, as we look for guidance, inspirations, as we look for the commands to obey, you know, observe everything I've commanded you, as we do all those things, things. Can we make sure that we're opening the Bible every once in a while just to see what, what God's like? You know, who, open the Bible, sit down. Who's he talking to? Who's he not talking to? Who's he beefing with? And who's he pleased with? Who's he not pleased with? Did you know that there are six things that the Lord hates? Go read Proverbs 6. See what he's like there. Community. 1 Corinthians 12, that Christ followers are the body of Christ, that this group of people, as ordinary as we may look, <laughs> as C.S. Lewis said, even with our squeaky boots and our double chins, are the means through whom God works in the world. And that if you would see his provision, his, his counsel, his wisdom, his, his care, and his comfort, that often you will see that through his people. Are you in a life group? Are you, are you known by a, a group of people? Do you know a group of people who can help you to see God for who he is as he acts through them? Obedience. When we obey, we, we afford God an opportunity to show that he will always come through. Timing's not always ours. There's a, a saying that I always mess up that says, God is, God is never late, but he's rarely early. So his timing might be a little bit different than yours. But obedience, that when we trust him with our actions, that it gives him an opportunity to show us what he's like, that he comes through, that he's faithful. Service. I am never more deeply in tune with the reality of who God is than when I have the opportunity to serve, particularly in this fashion. Because I don't have a thing to say to you guys. I mean, you see my face. I am a young man. <laughs> but I, I, I get in my office and God teaches me. And I get to see that he's teacher, that he's counselor, that he, you know, that God gives the growth and that, you know, he gives good things to his children to give to others of his children. And when you serve God, when you serve people, you get to see how he'll, how he'll train your hands, how he'll gift you, and, and, and he'll show you what he's like there. And we use these things, and we, we undergird the entire process with, with prayer, asking God, please, in, in this time, in, in the word, in this time with your people, in this time, you know, as, as I, as I ugh, obey you, even though I don't want to in this area, as I serve in this way, show me what you're like. Non-Christian, if you aren't a child of God, if you haven't bought into all this transformation stuff, maybe it sounds a little spooky. How would we convince you? We would invite you to see who God is. We would invite you to see that God is creator and in Christ, he is making things new and he wants to do that with you. We would invite you to see that God is a warrior, and on the cross, he has fought for you. We would invite you to see that God is a judge, but in Christ, he has satisfied his own righteous requirement so that you can just freely come to him. 
Don't, don't try to clean things up first. Don't try to get things right. First. You just, you come. He's met his own standards. You just cling to him in faith. And we would invite you to see that God is a father and he gave his son so that he could adopt you. And we would invite you to, to look at these things, to look into these things, to see these things until you believe them. And then throw yourself on the mercies of God and cling to him in faith. Whether you believe, whether you don't, whether you are a Christian, whether you're not, whether you are a child of God or hopefully are on your way there, my invitation to you would be the same. To see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, that you looked for us even when we weren't looking for you. I thank you for the promise of redemption, that you make things new, that you're going to do that with the planet, that you're going to do that with us. And I pray that people would trust you for that today. I pray that people would cling to you in faith, both those who have had faith and needed to grow and those who have never had faith and and, and need to cling to you in faith and start that work of redemption. I pray that this very day you would show us what you are like through your word, through your people, as we obey and as we serve. I pray that you would help us to see you as you are, and I pray that we would be transformed by it. I pray that for me. I pray that for my brothers and sisters. I pray that for those who don't know you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.